Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the Daily Delights podcast. This is your host, Chef Kristen, and today we will be speaking about how or making baby food. Um, I'm going to be giving some, I guess, the pros to making your own baby food, uh, some of the equipment that you might come across that you can use, some tips, uh, some information on how to even store the food and how to serve the food even, um, So I know this is on the wake of Mother's Day, and this topic was kind of given to me by a couple of people, and I know that there are actually no few new moms out there, a few moms that are um, with child, some that just had some some first-time mothers, Um, and I know that most moms, or I'm not going to say most moms, but it seems to be a resurgence um, as far as like motherhood and us want, wanting to do things the natural way, even when it comes down to breastfeeding and nursing the baby, there's definitely been an incline and in mothers going back to what's natural feeding, using your breast milk to feed your baby. Like that's the, pretty much the whole purpose of us having breasts is to feed and nourish our children. So, um, naturally the next progressive step from nursing your baby would be to create or make your own baby food. So I kind of wanted to go into that a little bit and discuss what that all entails and kind of give you all a brief overview. Also, I have two reviews on uh, two restaurants that I was able to go to this weekend while in Florida. One is actually in the Fort Lauderdale area. The other is in Well, the one I went to specifically was in Miami, in the Miami Gardens area specifically. Um, However, I know that they're pretty much all over Florida. So getting right into what our main topic at hand is, is making the baby food. So just a little bit of encouragement and some of the pros to making your own baby food. It's definitely not as hard as you may think, ladies. You can definitely do it. If you carried a child for nine months or carried a child in your womb, period, and you endured all that and what that entails, then you can definitely, you know, make baby food on your own. It just kind of takes a lot of time. Just think of it, think of it as, along the terms of or get yourself in the mindset of meal prepping. If you can do meal prepping or if that's something that you really enjoy, you do it for yourself, you do it for family members, friends, whomever, it's just on a smaller scale. And if anything, it's a whole lot easier because the technique itself is doing pretty much all the work for you. You don't necessarily do too much work until it kind of gets down to packaging the food or serving the food. But, you know, that's about it. Also, it's definitely less expensive than purchasing prepackaged food, just like when you're nursing. It's a whole lot less expensive or a whole lot more inexpensive to nurse your baby and, you know, do things that way, whether they nurse directly from your breast or even if you pump and put it in bottles, it's still a whole lot cheaper than purchasing formula. Same thing here. It's a whole lot cheaper to when you're making your market runs and you're going to the grocery store with your list and you're grabbing your own fruits and vegetables, your meats, whatever, to go ahead and grab some for the baby and cook it that way. It's a whole lot less expensive. Um, also, a no-brainer, you know exactly what's in the food because you've made it. You know, um, a lot of our house-conscious moms out there, I know it can get become very daunting, very stressful, irritating, 
all of the above when you're in the market and you're trying to look at one all of the different brands what they have to offer you're reading the packaging you're looking at the nutritional facts you're looking to find out if it's organic or not like what's going on you're reading all these labels you don't have to do any of that if you're making your own baby food so that takes a whole lot of stress away in a nutshell just even going in the market and you know getting the actual food and preparing it also the other plus or other pro to creating and making your own baby food is you use fresh produce you get fresh produce you get fresh grains fresh meats fresh you know fruits vegetables all of it is fresh not only do you know what's in the product that you've made for your baby but you know where it comes from so these are all great things and you know just kind of some encouragement to kind of push you in the direction to make your own baby food Push it to the limits, you know. So some of the equipment that you might come across. There's multiple ways to um, process the food. Some are more old school versions than others. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. You know, just like the old saying, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Sometimes old school way of doing things is a whole lot better than some of these new ways and these new technologies. And not only that, they're a whole lot less expensive nine times out of ten. So the first thing um, that you can kind of look into is a baby food maker or a baby processor. So that's when you see like the baby bullets, that type of thing. And they have some that are even more advanced where literally it's like an all-in-one tool where it cooks the actual baby food. It, some of them it can even defrost it um, where it actually does the whole process of, you know, steaming it or pureeing the food, whatever it needs to do, whatever needs to be done, depending on what stage, because, you know, typically just like you can do stages, just like when you go into the market or wherever and you see the um, the processed or pack, prepackaged baby foods where there's like a stage one where everything is just like not mush, but it's like that real silky smooth texture because it's been steamed and then processed. That would be stage one. Stage two is a little bit chunkier where, you know, like maybe it's just a literally a, a mashed potato, not a puree potato, but like a mashed potato. Um, stage three being where it's chunkier and it's finger foods now. Now it's just kind of diced or chopped up and they can pick it up and chew it. Now, you know, they've started teeth and they have teeth and they can actually chew the food. So um, the baby food makers and food baby food processors. Like I said, some of these actually do all that work for you. And just like, you know, you have a, a drink blender at home where you can set it on, okay, I want an icy or I want a smoothie texture. The baby food processors kind of give you those same different variables um, as well. And the same, um, it can give you some, what am I trying to say? Options, more or less, when it comes to the texture of the baby food and what you need. Next would be a blender. Good old-fashioned blender, which I was just talking about, you know, has the pitcher that's attached to the motorized compartment. You put it on, you put the food in, you put the lid on or you whatever, and you push your button and you go. Or even a food processor. Um, they have small, I mean, food processors come in all different sizes. You can get a one-quart container. You can get a 30-quart container. They come in different um brands different price points so you kind of got to do your research there um a hand blender when i say hand blender think of an old school like you know you see your mom or your grandmother in the kitchen and they're making cakes and they got you know you plug it into the wall you stick the two prongs in and you press the either button or you push the lever up or whatever that's a hand blender so 
Um, I would say that that would probably, if you want to use a hand blender, that would probably be really good for um, stage two. Because whereas though it's still, it's a little, it's chunkier, it's not as smooth and silkier, it kind of has some texture to it. I would def definitely wouldn't use it for stage one. Because even if you, you know, once you steam the food and you get it down to a um, really smooth and uh, soft texture, you're still going to have to, you know, use the hand blender and then strain it. So it's for stages one, I would definitely at least suggest either a baby food maker or a processor or to use the blender or, or a regular food processor. Uh, four would be a hand, um, hand turn food mill. So think of something along the lines of like a masher or a ricer, but it's the holes in the uh, food mill. Depending, actually depending on what brand you buy, the product itself, the food blender, I'm sorry, the food mill itself might come with a different, like sometimes they come up, I think with up to like three to five different um, grates that you can put in it. And the grate size um, holes are what differentiate between the different options you have when it comes to the grates. Um, and then that'll determine how... Um, the food, how closely the food is strained and kind of help you with that texture thing, like I said. So, I mean, depending, if you can get the holes where they're small enough, you probably can use it for stage one. Um, but again, that's one of those things where I say probably you're looking at stage two closer into stage three is what you're kind of going to get from that. Um, number four you have the option of a food grinder, which may not work as well. So, again, this is another one of those things where um, I say you're probably looking at the end of stage two going into stage three because it's only going to break the food down but so much. So kind of keep that in mind. And then number five, a good old-fashioned fork. If they're old enough, you know, like I said, you can do good old-fashioned fork with mashed potatoes. Think um, avocados, you know, soft food. So avocados, uh, bananas, peas, that type of thing, mashing the food up that way. You can use a good old-fashioned fork. Everybody has a fork in their house. We eat with forks, so that works out as well. Not Like I said, not all the time do you need these fancy electronics and, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Because literally when you get into some of these different things that they have for babies, even, like I said, with just talking about the equipment, like the different uh, baby food processors and baby food makers, like they go to the nines with these. It's like the most, some of the most elaborate food processors I've ever seen. And a lot of times they're so small because they're made for a baby food. You know what I'm saying? For you to be able to make baby food with it. And with baby food, you only have to mix stuff in small quantities. It's not like they're adults or even growing, you know, children or adolescents teenagers where they're going to eat a full plate of food you know it's a smaller portion for a baby so it's only but so much you need to make so it's not even like when you buy some of these more elaborate food processors and baby food makers that you can then you know keep it in the house and use it for whatever it is so maybe something else that you want to cook unless it's a small quantity again so it's kind of like money out the window so you just kind of got to play around with the ideas and play around with what works best for you and your baby.
and go for there. Go from there. I'm sorry. So when we're talking about purchasing the food, when buying um, food for the baby, again, purchase things in smaller quantities. So think about when you're, um, like, for instance, if you don't necessarily like bananas or, you know, bananas don't really go well in your house. Not everyone eats bananas or it takes a little while for them to eat them. Only get a small bunch or, you know, break off maybe a couple bananas and you only need enough. Think about enough food when you're talking about for a baby for one to two days. Because that stretches out for them. Again, we're talking about feeding infants here. We're not talking about creating a whole meal and making food for a whole whole, whole household. If you can't buy fresh food, frozen food is the next best thing. Frozen food is the next best thing. It's the, the closest to, I'm sorry if y'all hear that background noise. That is my little one you hear in the background. So sorry about that. Um, so again, if you can't purchase or you can't have certain, if you don't have certain things available to you fresh, then definitely go ahead and purchase them frozen. That's your next best thing as, a, as opposed to pro purchasing processed foods um, or bagged foods or anything like that. Also, if you can purchase and you have them available to you, purchase organic foods, non-GMOs. It'll be healthier, obviously, for you, for your baby, for common sense reasons. Um, I'll just leave it at that. Um, Also, let's talk about nitrate exposures. So nitrates are chemicals that are found naturally in water, soil, um, and even some foods like spinach, carrots, beets, green beans, squash. And doctors actually recommend that babies under three months do not consume nitrates because um, it kind of can be harmful to their digestive system that they're not able to break those nutrients down. However... It's not necessarily something you don't have to you have to worry yourself with because again, solids are not supposed to be introduced to inf- infants until they're about between four to six months old anyway. So by that age, their little tummies are di- their digestive systems can um, process those nitrates. So that's something that you don't have to worry about. And again, those are found in solid foods, which again, we can't introduce until about four to six months. So those aren't anything you need to really concern yourself with. All the, you know, worrisome moms out there, you know, who do their research and are kind of freaking out. Don't worry about it. So just to kind of give you all some serving and storage tips. um, The guidelines or pediatricians normally say, don't serve any food warmer than your body temperature, but I don't necessarily know any mom that has the time or that even will take a thermometer or food thermometer and check the food to see if it's at, you know, 97 or 98, whatever your body temperature is supposed to be. Um, so me personally, what I do, and I know a lot of other moms do it, is just serve the food at room temperature. That way, you know, at this point, they're eating fruits, they're eating vegetables, or even with the meats, it's not really, you know... You know that way they're not going to be harmed in any way if it's served at room temperature. Which brings me to my next tip. Beware of microwaves. M- microwaves, even if you notice when you heat your food in the microwave, sometimes they can create hot spots. And what I mean by hot spots is, you know, sometimes you can get a, a plate of food and you put it in the microwave. And then, you know, one area of that food item 
or whatever the plate might be hot another part portion will be cold and or not as hot or whatever the case may be so same thing can happen happen to babies so they'll create the hot spots so you have to be careful you have to make sure if you do use a microwave to stir the food so that the heat is distributed evenly everything is at the same constant temperature and then remember to let it cool down before you serve it so again if you're letting it cool down you might as well serve it or may as well serve it at the room temperature since you have to cool it down anyway i guess um what they mean is for the only time you would necessarily have to reference I guess a microwave would be if, you know, if you don't have time. Maybe you're pulling some food out of the refrigerator and, you know, you need to feed the baby right away. You don't have time for it to kind of get up to room temperature. So maybe in that case, a microwave would be good for you. But again, please remember to stir the food and then let it sit and let it cool. Also, only use what you think that the baby will eat when you're portioning out your meals because, um... And throw away whatever. Like, so say you have bananas. Only give the baby what you think they might eat in that setting. The rest, throw that um, portion away. Throw it in the trash. And I say this because the baby's saliva, you know, obviously babies drool a lot. They can't help themselves. When you're, you know, putting the spoon from the food to the baby's mouth back into the food the saliva and the drool and everything they got going on is going back into that food so now it's kind of contaminated that food so if you store it whether it be refrigerated or whatever even if you store it properly it's still almost like the perfect breeding ground to create bacteria and obviously as moms we do our parents period we don't want to um have our babies sick or have them you know with any type of foodborne illnesses or you know Anything like that. Let's kind of keep the germs away as much as possible, as much as we possibly can. Um, Also, natural is best. Do not sweeten your baby's food. I know a lot of people, even me, I was, you know, my daughter's now two, going into three. She'll be three in July. And since I was a first-time mom, I would literally think to myself, like, well, you know, hey, when I eat my sweet potatoes, I like a little uh, brown sugar and, you know, whatever. Like, I don't want to put sugar in her food. You know, honey is natural. Maybe I should use honey. But thankfully, I asked the doctor before I did so because honey even is not, um, most pediatricians will tell you, no, don't give your kid honey until at least after the first year. Because what happens is, even though honey is natural, some kind of way it can cause, um, botulism in the baby's food which is a form of food poisoning and I mean a form of food poison or a foodborne illness and botulism is literally one of the worst type of foodborne illnesses that a human can get literally it's painful it hurts it's like literally almost the worst if not one of the worst food illnesses that you can get um but sadly enough even though it's terrible for, I guess, you know, talking about the general public, when we're talking about babies, it's even worse because it, it, botulism can be fatal to them. Um, so for many reasons, um, one, their system just can't handle it. Two, you know, they're not verbal, so they can't tell you, you know, what's hurting, where it's hurting, why, what it feels like, any of that. Um, so, again, don't, I would suggest no added sugars i don't care whether it's natural whatever no added sugars to your baby's food and definitely not honey um 
If you do choose to season your baby's food, which is okay, do so with natural herbs and spices. So we're talking like cinnamon, um, turmeric or turmeric, however you like to pronounce it, those type of things. Natural herbs and spices are good. And again, everything in moderation. It doesn't need to be... I found, honestly, my personal experience, I didn't really need to add anything to the food. Like, my daughter liked any, like, she liked the sweet potato, just the natural sweetness of the sweet potatoes. Mashed potatoes or regular white potatoes or whatever, russet potatoes, whatever kind of potatoes, whatever the food was, period. She liked the way it tastes naturally. Um, because, again, once you start talking about spices and herbs, babies are finicky. And, again, they can't really express what it is that they like or don't like other than just kind of spitting it out or just kind of turning away from it. So, with them being so finicky, sometimes it's better, like they say, less is more. It's just better to give them less of an option. They don't necessarily need to have their food doctored up and seasoned the way we might need to. Um, and again, if they if it boils down to them not liking it, now you've wasted a whole portion of whatever and your hard work <laughs> for actually even preparing or processing whatever that food is. So I personally say just kind of stick to the food just being natural, like, Literally, God made fruits and vegetables the way he did with the right amount of sweet uh, or lack of uh, sweet. So, the right amount of sweet and savory. So, just kind of give it to the baby the way it is and see how that works out for you. As far as storage, fruits and vegetables that are frozen can last up to six to eight months. And then for meats and fish that are frozen, they can last up to a month or two or up to two months. Um, when you refrigerate baby food, it needs to be refrigerated in an airtight container and it can only last up to about two days. After those two days, the food kind of starts to break down. You're looking at, again, potential breeding grounds for bacteria, all kinds of stuff. So past two days, chuck it, throw it in the trash. Um... My other tip is use your resources. Use the internet. Um, if you don't necessarily know how to, like something like a peach, it has a pit in the middle. It has skin. How do I prepare peaches for my baby properly? Use the internet. Look up recipes. Same thing with mangoes. I know it's already hard enough for some adults to even know how to cut a mango properly. How do you do a mango and successfully cook that for your baby? So, again, use the internet. Also, I suggest talk to other mommies. That's what they're here for. We're kind of, you know, being a mom is great. We're our own um, community. We're our own support system. Nobody knows what a mom has to deal with other than or better than another mom. So, talk to other moms out there, whether it be moms in your family, your friends, um, your support groups, whatever the case may be. Look on blogs, um, again, discussion groups, whatever the, the case may be. Reach out, use all your resources to find the best techniques and recipes for you and your baby. Work, Do what works best for you. Everything, what's good for the goose is not good for the gander all the time. Everything doesn't work for everyone. Um, take suggestions, take them lightly, take them as, as a grain of salt because, again, Everybody is different. So just like everybody is different, your baby is a is someone too. So everybody's babies are different. Um, everyone's taste buds are different. So just kind of, you kind of just got to feel and play it out just like you do a lot of other things in motherhood. So um, 
Also, my last and final tip when it comes to creating new food for your or creating baby food or making food for your baby is when you're introducing new foods, the best way to do so, I think, is within about a four-day span, time span. So that way you can actually determine whether the baby likes it or not. Um, so, and then also, I know um, most pediatricians say that they can't tell or they, I'm not going to say that they can't tell. They can't start testing for allergies, whether they're indoor allergies, food allergies, outdoor allergies, whatever. They can't start testing kids for allergies until I think about three or four, if I remember correctly. So um, another valid reason for waiting within that four-day time span with in- introducing new foods, not only do you get to see whether your baby actually likes that food or not, but also you can beware if they're... Um, is some type of allergic reaction that your baby has to whatever that food was, then you know, okay, well, I didn't give her blueberries yesterday, and then today I'm giving bananas, and then three days ago I gave oranges. So you don't know whether it's the bananas, the berries, or the oranges. Um, So your best bet, like I said, is to do try new foods within a four-day time span. That way you can kind of monitor all of those things. Um, so next, going into the updates on or the reviews of the food places I went to. So the first place is called Pollo Tropico. So Pollo, it looks like it, it's obviously Spanish. So it looks like it says Polo. It's P-O-L-L-O, tropical. Pollo Tropical um, is a chain of, I guess you can call them fast food restaurants. I don't necessarily, because I guess I would call them fast food restaurants because they have drive-through windows but um so i'll say like here in maryland you know fast food we got checkers we got kfc popeyes taco bell that kind of thing where the food quality really isn't that great so pollo tropical or tropical is definitely if you look at the actual building and how the building is laid out it will remind you of fast food but the quality of the food is definitely not fast food it's the it's restaurant quality um and the meals are dirt cheap you can get like a bowl like you know how you can go to chipotle or some other places even panda express and get like a bowl where it has the rice and whatever your meat is so you can go to pollo tropico or tropical and get a bowl i think it's like 5.99 where you get a protein you get some beans um you can do your salsa and all that good stuff pico whatever and your rice um that's 5.99 and then they have you can get a meal where um you could do literally it's like a half a chicken or you can do um i think it was moho pork is what i got which was kind of like a um latin version to like a shredded barbecue pork really good um but they kind of marinated with like lime and a couple other different things and then you could do um I forget what else it was. It was like four or five different options, but it comes with two sides and a roll for $12.99. So for 12 bucks, you can get a whole meal, which wasn't bad. And like I said, when I got my pork, it was like real quality. It was pork. It was restaurant quality. It was really good. Um, it was definitely loving the food. And although I will say this, they don't necessarily hit. If you're one of those people like me who's a stickler for, I need a protein, I need a vegetable, I need a starch. It's not really... 
any vegetables, which I mean, in most Latin food, you, it's pretty much protein and starch. You don't necessarily get a lot of vegetables. Um, you might get your fiber and like your beans, that type of thing, but you definitely don't have too many vegetables per se. Um, so like I said, I got the moho pork with, um, it was a saffron rice with mixed vegetables as well as I got, I didn't get the yuca potatoes. What did I get? Oh, macaroni and cheese. And it came with a roll. And like I said, that was like 13 bucks. They have kids' meals. You can feed your whole family for like $15.99. You get a whole chicken, three sides, a roll, and that's like 15 bucks. So, I mean, literally, like, you get your money's worth. When you go in, it's like a whole, like, the whole kitchen is like a pretty much grills just lined up. Um, the commercial grills, obviously, but it's just grills on grills. And uh, all you smell is like really good seasoned marinated grilled meat just being on the grill and it's delicious i really liked it like i said it's pretty reasonable in pricing you get the modern day convenience of fast food um experience where you know you can go in order grab it and go or you can go through the drive-thru but you get that experience and that um at a restaurant quality so i guess it's kind of like the best of both worlds they're definitely all throughout Florida, I saw them in um, Fort Lauderdale. I saw them as I went to, I wasn't down in the Keys, but I was I was maybe like 15, 20. I was pretty much at the bottom of Miami, and um, which was, it was like maybe 30 minutes from the Keys. But literally, they had some out there. Like, they're pretty much all throughout Florida. So if you get a chance, definitely go. It's worth it. Really good. The other place I went to is called The Balcony, which is located in Fort Lauderdale. So, one of their strips is called Las Olas Boulevard. So, Las, L-A-S, Olas, O-L-A-S, Boulevard. Um, and, again, the restaurant is called The Balcony. So, it's supposed to be like a New Orleans or Nolens themed restaurant. Um, it's literally like they have outdoor seating. It's indoor. They have a nice bar. The whole theme is New Orleans. They actually have a balcony on the upper part of the restaurant. So you can even go on the balcony and stand and, you know, throw beads if you want to. Um, or you can, um, I think you could sit upstairs on the balcony and dine in. I can't really remember. They had a live jazz band. It was really nice. The ambiance of it was really nice. The food-wise, on a scale from... 1 to 10, I'll probably give it like a 6, maybe a 7. I say this because, one, what I did not realize was, is that, and apparently they told my fiancé, it was a group of, it was about four of us there, and, or five, including my daughter, and literally, the server mentioned it to my fiancé and no one else at the table until we literally had already gotten our food, put our orders in, all that. That it was a tapas-style restaurant. So when you look at the menu and even look at the pricing, you're looking at it like, okay, I'm getting a regular size portion entree. And then when the food comes out, you're like, oh, okay, well, what happened? Like, this is literally tapas portion. Which I guess, if you know that in advance, if you're like-minded like me um or similar minded to myself then what you'll you would do is i guess with making a conscious making it a conscious effort when you're ordering your food then everybody would kind of order something different but order something that everybody likes or wants to try and then because it's tapas um style you can all kind of share each other's dishes and that works and you don't have to especially if you're one of those people where you're like germ conscious you don't want to put your fork in somebody else's food or eat off their plate or that type of thing like it would be good for that however like I said we weren't aware or 
three out of the four of us was not aware that it was tapas style. So when our food came out, we were kind of like, uh, now what? So my fiance ordered, they had one of their daily, or their special of the day was a chicken schnitzel. It came with potatoes, roasted uh, white potatoes, and collard greens. The greens were good, but I'll say this. If you're from the African-American community, you're used to your collard greens being cooked down to a certain texture. Um, Their greens are still a little firm, which I personally didn't mind, but I know some people, like my fiancé and a couple other people who would just be like, I'm not into this, don't really like the greens, never going to order them again. Um, they were still, the green was still a little tough, so they didn't really cook them down completely. But again, flavor-wise, they weren't all that bad, so I kind of just dealt with it. Um, I ordered lamb bourguignon, so they kind of had them in like three-ounce little mini bowls, and it was lamb bourguignon so it had the lamb it had the uh bourguignon sauce it had uh bits of carrot and onions and then what they did was they kind of piped on t- over top of the lamb bourguignon some sweet potato puree so again i'm one of those people where i could season my food and appreciate the seasoning and the depth and the flavor and i'm also one of those food people where i can just have like a sweet potato and just enjoy the simplicity of a sweet potato and its natural sugar so for me like i said i enjoyed it because i kind of took it for what it was it took it i took it at face value so to me it was good and then like i said i ended up getting a side of the greens because those little three portions was just not enough um because it's not even like necessarily a full bowl of the three ounce bowls but Like I said, it was good for what it was worth. I liked it. My fiancé tried it. He didn't like it at all. He likes my lamb better, preferred it better. Um, I guess, again, because mine's when I do it. When I make my lamb at home, I do it a little bit more flavorful. Whereas, though, theirs is kind of just kind of, again, they kind of kept everything clean and simple. Um, the other two people at the table got chicken saute, which if you don't know what chicken saute is, it's literally just chicken on a skewer and it usually has some type of sauce or some type of, uh, dry rub or whatever the case may be on it. Um, so I guess they didn't know that. So they didn't necessarily, when they got it, they weren't really too impressed. They said it was good, but it was just literally like almost kind of just like chicken barbecue on a stick. So, they weren't really thrilled. They said it was okay for what it was, but they didn't necessarily like it. And like I said, it's literally, because it was tapas style, it was three skewers with three strips of chicken on each skewer with the honey barbecue sauce on it. And it was, the skewers were kind of laid in the the three-ounce bowls. That's all their food came out, came with, the chicken satay. So, it was just kind of a bummer for them. But... Yeah, like I said, it wasn't necessarily the greatest. wasn't bad either. Would I go again? Maybe. Not sure. Definitely, I'll say this. The libations, the drinks at that bar um, were delicious. I had a Sazerac. Uh, and then one of the other people at the table got the Hurricane. The Hurricane was really good. It was strong. But to me, I don't necessarily like sweet drinks. So to have like that pineapple. I think it was like the pineapple and the orange no, the pineapple and the melon, the melon made it a little too sweet for me. So it was like, I didn't necessarily like it, but it was a good drink. It was definitely strong. Um, like I said, I had a Sazerac, which is a whiskey-based drink. It had uh, bitters. It had, like, um, the orange peel, orange zest. 
Um, I can't remember what all what what else was in it, but it was a really good cocktail. I liked it. It paired well with my lamb bourguignon. Also, this place did give us a comp. I don't know if it's something they do all the time or not, but it was a complimentary toast. They refer to it as the balcony toast, so you get a complimentary champagne toast. It's the champagne of their choosing, so it could be a drier champagne, a sweeter champagne, a rosé. It kind of was up to your server, I guess, whatever bottle they grabbed. Maybe you could pick. I'm not sure. We just kind of went with the flow. It was, and ours ended up being a drier champagne, a brute. Uh, but again, it was a nice experience, nice ambiance. Like I said, would I go again? If someone took me there, I would definitely go. I would enjoy it. Would I kind of seek this place out the next time I'm in Fort Lauderdale? No, not really. Um, oh, there was another place I went to in Fort Lauderdale, which was on their actual strip, like by, like right off of the beach. It was right across the street from the beach. It was called Rock Bar. So, um, it was part restaurant part dance club lounge area um so they play more than rock music if it's something that you were concerned about they literally play some of everything um urban latin music dance music house music whatever you want to refer to it as hip-hop r&b they've been they literally played something for everyone there um what else what did i get from there oh they have these so they have cocktails they have these quote-unquote world-famous margaritas that they have, and you can upgrade to a 48-ounce or 42-ounce, I think it was a 42-ounce margarita for $22.95 or something like that. So basically $23, and you can upgrade to, like, a 42-ounce. I saw some people drinking them by themselves. There's no way I'd be able to drink that by myself unless I kind of, like, sat for a while. But because we were kind of ready to go, literally my fiance and I split one and it was more than enough to drink. It was good. We got the million millionaire or million dollar margarita, something like that. Basically, it was what most bars call a Cadillac um, margarita where it had the Grand Marnier, it had the Golden Tequila or Reposado, whatever you want to call it. Um I'm sorry, not even Reposado, the Anejo tequila. So it was Anejo tequila, sour, lime, and Grand Marnier. Like I said, most bars refer to that as the Cadillac margarita. They had a Cadillac margarita, but it definitely was not, it didn't have the um, Grand Marnier shot. So, like I said, it was the million dollar or millionaire, one of the two, margarita. It was pretty good. Also, I got the ground beef nachos. They were really, really good. So, it was a basic nacho. Nacho, cheese, salsa, guacamole. They put all the accoutrements on the side. So, your salsa, your sour, your salsa and your guacamole was on the side. The salsa was in with the nachos. I got the ground beef. So, it was ground beef, black beans, cheese, onions, tomatoes, and kind of like a pico. Nachos are really good. They came out fresh. They came out in like a, um, almost like a clay pot. So it was literally like they kind of cooked the ground beef and everything, put all the nacho, put everything on the notch on the tortilla chips and shoved it in the oven. It was like really cheesy, really creamy, really good, really good flavor. The ground beef itself had a really good flavor. Um, I had, haven't had nachos that good in a while, um, where everything kind of worked together cohesively. All the flavors went together Everything was seasoned perfectly. 
Um, it was the right amount of cheese. It was the right amount of everything. The guacamole was delicious. I haven't had guacamole that good in a while either. It was, you could tell it was definitely homemade. Somebody was really making some good guacamole. Um, the flavor in the guacamole, the texture, everything was just spot on. Um, so yeah, that was pretty much it. And again, that was called Rock Bar and that was in Fort Lauderdale as well. So again, I just wanted to say thank you all for tuning into the Daily Delights podcast. Thank you to my loyal listeners. Um, you can listen to this podcast on any podcast platform that you have available. Or if you do not have a podcast platform, you can listen online at anchor.fm slash chef hyphen Kristen. That is A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash C-H-E-F hyphen K-H-R-Y-S-T-Y-N. Also, if you do have a um, podcast platform feel free to subscribe to the daily delights podcast if you're not sure um what actual podcast it is when you look at the actual icon or the picture that's affiliated with the title it is a teal um background and it has hashtag chef Kristen, hashtag daily delights um also feel free to share this episode as well as any of our other archived episodes with any of your friends family members whomever on your social media i don't care spread the word share it um also tune in every week or every Tuesday, sometimes I miss, so I can go a couple of weeks without doing an episode. But I try to post new episodes on Tuesdays, every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, also, feel free to follow our Instagram page, and it's at Our Daily Delights. So it's at, the at symbol, Our, O-U-R-D-A-I-L-Y-D-E-L-I-G-H-T-S. That's at Our Daily Delights. Um, Next week, we're actually going to do an episode. I was requested to do an episode on edibles. So if you're into edibles, you want to know more about edibles, um, you just want to hear about edibles, (laughs) you want to talk about it, you want to give us some feedback or maybe even tell us something that we might not know, Feel free to um, tune in next week. Also, if you go on the podcast website, which is the anchor.fm slash chef hyphen Kristen, you can leave comments um, and kind of interact with the podcast that way. Um, So, again, thank you all for tuning in. I will be with you all next week. Again, the topics will be edibles. You all have a great week. Love you much, and thank you for tuning in.